Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The voice. The voice can be a powerful thing. Our culture admires greatly those who have harnessed this gift of God, spending untold millions purchasing the music that some can generate with the voice. Many sit glued to their television sets on certain nights of the week, waiting breathlessly for the announcement of who has survived and who has been cut in the latest episode of American Idol or The Voice. With similar similar adulation that sometimes borders on adoration, many also listen to other voices, to sportscasters and news reporters, to talk show hosts and celebrities, to government officials and those candidates who would like to be such. And given good ideas and good motives, listening to the wise and knowledgeable voices of others can enlighten us and encourage us. It can inform and it can persuade. It can impassion and it can motivate. And we are right to admire admire those who do use their voices for godly things, whether that be simply for things of beauty, or in order to communicate and to build up others. And yet, for every Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill and Martin Luther King who used their eloquence for good purposes, it seems there is a corresponding voice of evil. For every Jeremiah, there is a Judas. For every Malachi, there is a Mao Zedong. For every Hosea, there is a Hitler. Like all of the well-intentioned, glorious gifts of God, the voice can be used for wondrous blessing, or it can be used for terrible destruction. Not long after the voice of God spoke creation into existence, one of His creatures used His own voice to lead others into breaking the simple and blessed covenant under which they dwelled. Twisting the words of God in clever ways, Satan spoke just enough truth to make his suggestion sound enticing, and yet spoke enough falsehood and withheld just enough truth to keep his hearers from making a fully informed decision. Or did he? Weren't Adam and Eve fully informed already? Hadn't they received the fullness of God's truth or at least as much of it as He had deemed necessary to reveal to them at that stage? Didn't they have everything they already needed? Of course they did. And yet the voice of the devil was powerful and persuasive enough to convince poor Adam and Eve that things would be so much better if they followed His guidance and not the voice of God. But from lies come disobedience. As we listen to outside voices or or our internal voices and not to the voice of God. And now on account of their fall, we can no longer keep free of this for the serpent's venom still courses through our veins today. A bitter reminder that listening to the wrong voices always leads us away from God and away from His salvation. 
The Scriptures are full of reminders that the voice of God ought to be heeded and obeyed. But soon Cain didn't listen either, and in his jealousy, Abel paid the price in blood. Later, Noah listened, and he obeyed when the rest of the world would not. And he was brought safely through the deluge to preserve humanity. And when the flood was all over, the voice of God spoke once more, consistently with what he had said before. Be fruitful and multiply, he told this remnant. Fill the earth once again. But we never learn. As our Old Testament lesson for this day describes, instead of listening to God's voice and dispersing themselves across the face of the earth, the offspring of Noah behaved just like the offspring of Adam that we all are. They listened to the voices of one another, a task that is made so much easier by their common and unified language. And those voices are telling one another to glorify themselves, to build a tower up to heaven so that they too might attempt to be like God. Thus says the Lord gets replaced by, hey, what do you think of this idea? Well, they might think it's a grand plan to build this tower, but God does not. He laments that their disobedience has made them imagine themselves too powerful, far too sure of themselves. And then as he always does, God has a plan to fix human arrogance and human failure. He confuses their language so that cooperation among the people is impossible. No longer able to listen and to make sense of the voices of one another, humanity must once again abandon their own plans and respond once more to the voice of God. And so the people are dispersed and the tower is abandoned. Distinctive cultures can now develop across the whole world the Lord creating a rich tapestry of many different threads. And so it continued throughout the centuries. The voice of God speaking to the people, whether individually or collectively, whether directly or through His prophets. He spoke to them in a language that they could understand, even when they could not understand one another. He's like that, you know. God wants us to hear Him. He wants us to comprehend Him, to know Him, to trust Him. Abraham listened and he believed. He was declared righteous on account of his belief. And yet on many occasions he turned away too, didn't he? Moses listened and Pharaoh refused to. The Israelites listened and then they did not. And eventually they came to fear the voice of God so greatly that they asked that He not speak directly to them anymore. But God always speaks to us in just the right way that we need. If only we are willing to listen. When we are rebellious and we are self-assured, His voice thunders down the threats of the law upon us, like He did from the cloud surrounding the heights of Sinai. And yet when we are fearful, are humble, are seemingly alone and doomed. On that very same mountain, the Lord speaks to His servant Elijah in a still, small voice, filling Him and us up with the sweet, tender words of the comforting Gospel. And so you have the assurance that Christ was crucified for you and for your sins, that He arose once again from the dead, 
that He ascended to heaven to be our advocate in front of the throne of the Father, and that You have forgiveness and eternal life for His sake. This is exactly what God did that Pentecost day in Jerusalem too. It is just ten days after the ascension of Jesus. It is barely fifty days since Judas listened to other voices, the voice of Satan. And Pontius Pilate listened to the voices of the crowd instead of the voice of the Son of God. But now, bolstered by the Holy Spirit which Jesus had promised to them and which had come upon them in a most spectacular fashion, the apostles give voice to both the threats and the promises of God. Peter proclaims law that condemns the Pentecost pilgrims as well as the residents of Jerusalem for their complicity in the death of Jesus. And cut to the bone and beyond by the sharp edge of God's Word, that sword of the Spirit, they fearfully ask what they might do to be saved. Peter goes on to tell them the promises of God which are made theirs in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And lo and behold, wonder of wonders, each of these listeners hears the words of the apostles in his or her native language. The tongues that had once been scrambled by God in humanity's arrogance at Babel are unified once again miraculously in the preaching of the Gospel to address mankind's deepest and greatest need in Jerusalem that day. You see, at Babel, the unified voices of humanity caused trouble as they sought their own purposes. And they were sent away in frustration and in confusion. But at Pentecost, even though there were so many languages, these differentiated voices of the apostles spoke the Word of God, creating faith and hope out of their despair. And that day God's purposes were fulfilled as people were brought from great distances to be united in the one holy Christian and apostolic church for the forgiveness of their sins, for the granting of God's gifts toward life everlasting. We don't see that happening much in our day, do we? We might desire that God speak to us more distinctly and more directly sometimes, like He did to the people in the ancient days, like Jesus did with His disciples. And we might even harbor a little bit of jealousy against those who in centuries past were personally confronted by the audible manifestation of God. And I'm sure most of you probably know those in our own day and age who, on account of having not received any sort of special contact or revelation to themselves, therefore reject the faith that has been revealed and offered to us through the written voice of God, the Bible. And in doing so, they insist that God meet them on their terms, that He fulfill their expectations rather than fulfilling His promises. And still others, they claim to have heard audible contacts from God, hearing Him speak and give them specific directions for actions to be taken in response to His words. Now, we certainly can't rule out that possibility, but we do need to be discerning and cautious in responding to such claims. What we can know for sure is that without doubt, God is capable of revealing Himself to us in whatever way He wishes. But we can also be sure that He will never contradict Himself or be inconsistent either. If those claiming to have heard God speak to them directly in the physical sense share those supposed messages with us, 
then we have a standard against which we can judge those words as being genuine or not. The Scriptures in which God has revealed Himself to us, that is our measuring stick. Whatever does not align with the prophetic and apostolic writings cannot be of God. He has put His reputation and His integrity on the line in them by giving them to us. He has bound Himself to the Scriptures in the person of Jesus Christ the living Word made flesh for us. The voice of God must always be heard most clearly and most loudly in our lives. If we close our ears to it, or if we allow the cacophony of the world's noise to drown it out, or to be mimicked by Satan with just enough alteration to corrupt its message and its truth, then we are lost. We are only safe when we allow the Word of God to cut through the fog of our lives, to break the chains that bind us to the shopping cart of sin and death, and to pierce the darkness of our tainted souls. Not just all sin in general, but specifically the sin of heresy and of false religion that we see in this world arise because people listen to other voices apart from God's. Some special or supplemental revelation is claimed by an individual. Some voice speaking a message that differs from that that was given through the prophets, was taught by Jesus, and was proclaimed and written by His apostles. They offer something new. Something that stands apart from the Word of God. And it doesn't matter whether it's Islam or Mormonism or some hack TV evangelist with a big arena and promises of certain happiness in this world. They are not letting people hear the voice of God because they don't speak in accordance with the Word of God. St. Paul said it well. If anyone, even an angel from heaven, proclaims a gospel to you that differs from that which he taught, that is, the biblical faith, then that messenger is to be accursed. Today we confirm five of our young people. A handful of dynamic potential sits before us. Young people for whom we hope and pray will continue to heed God's voice and to listen to His message for the rest of their lives and on into eternity. And they will confront a world that is increasingly and overwhelmingly hostile to the truth of the faith that they will confess this morning. A world that is led by Satan's voice to question and to reject, and even to actively pursue the destruction of their faith and that of the Holy Church. It will not be any easier for them to resist the temptation to listen to those other voices than it is for you and me. There are plenty of voices out there in the world offering far more pleasant thoughts and images than a man who has been bloodied by whips and thorns and nailed to a tree. And yet as aesthetically ugly as that image might be, it is both the source and the means of our hope for this life and for the next. And I pray that they will continue to seek and to hear the right voice and from that voice derive great comfort in their lives. Yet all of you may draw that comfort too. The voice of God has reached you in your own language through the apostles, through the prophets, through the ministry of Christ and His church. The same Spirit who was given to the apostles that Pentecost day so long ago has also called you by the voice of the Scriptures to the one true faith in the one true triune God. That Spirit also guides the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yet today. 
And the voice of the Good Shepherd is always heard by His faithful sheep. God's voice flows. God's voice flows from God's Word. From the Word that is given to us in the readings and in the hymns, in the liturgy and in preaching, in absolution and in the supper. And so we listen and we sing. We chant and we pray. We give thanks and we give generously to sustain the work of God. Just as He gives generously to us each day to sustain sustain our life and our faith. We echo God's Word as we give His message a voice in our age. And within the ark of the Christian church, we extend that voice outwardly, for we are His instruments to spread His Gospel. We do this in patient vigilance, seeking to convey the wondrous joy and hope that we have in languages that others can understand. We need not fret about any lack of eloquence on our part, or even a lack of visible progress in our lifetimes. For it matters little who is speaking, but rather what is being spoken. The sound may come from our voice, but it is God who is being heard. The Spirit will guide all whom He has chosen into the truth of Jesus. And so lift up your voice with Peter and share God's voice with others. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.